0: And welcome to the Bride Tender Podcast. I'm your host, Esti Gordon-Levin, and I'm here to tend to the brides like I tend to the bar. So mix yourself a cocktail and let's get ready to discuss all things weddings. Today, I'm super excited to have uh, my guest on, uh, Carly Seikert. She is a sex and relationship therapist. And I thought, you know what? there's no one else that probably needs the therapy right now than the brides. So um, Carly, thank you so much for coming on today's episode. Hi, Esty. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> this And this is your first podcast? This is my first podcast. I'm an avid listener, but this is my ah! first time being a guest. <laughs> well, I am so excited to be like popping your podcast virginity here oh my I show. love that <laughs> um so first of all I just want to give like a little background on how you and I know each other because yes. on on the last episode I had Alex Bridge who is one of my longtime childhood like best friends and you and I met at Alex's wedding both being bridesmaids in her wedding party and I I know you and Alex are friends from from like an old job, right? Yeah, we used to work together uh, before the pandemic hit, actually. And it was her and her now husband, John, that kind of got me through the whole quarantine. We did weekly video chats where we would play games um, and I know she's been on the podcast before and shared her engagement story. It was actually on our game Zoom that he used to propose. <laughs> I was also on that on that Zoom call. Um, I was working that day, but I did tune in to see the to see the proposal. Yes. Yeah. But that wedding was so fun. I'm actually in Michigan. So getting into the sun, I know you're in New York was amazing. It was so nice. Oh my God. I like, I mean, listen, the weather's getting a little bit better here now, but uh, what I would give for some warm weather and some sunshine. Yes. I feel you. (laughs) And I'm sure you definitely in Michigan could use that even more so than me in New York. Yes. Yeah. It's a common thing right now. We're feeling, especially with the time change, some hope with also, uh, does this mean snow might still come? Oh, I know. (laughs) I'm over snow. I'm so over it. (laughs) I'm ready for spring to come and we're, we're close now. We're close. Yes. Yeah. Which means we're getting in gear for wedding season yep we are getting in gear for wedding season, and um, as you know the brides who listen to this podcast know with wedding season comes a whole ton of stress um so you know how how have you been doing like during this time during the craziness of the pandemic? yeah, it was quite an adjustment, and i I know personally. I was laid off from my job, which resulted in me, excuse me, putting in full effort into my education and my career, which led me to where I am today Um, as far as where I am now. You know, I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like I've gotten in the rhythm and I personally have kind of learned to cope and adapt with the help of my own wonderful therapist um, to the kind of ebb and flow of the life that we're living now. Yeah, I I also think I, I like I will say this, too. I feel like I was in kind of a similar situation um, to you uh, at the beginning of the pandemic I had been furloughed from my position because events weren't able to happen like right about to be in like my busiest season ever um and then like the world just kind of stopped and I well, you know I I feel truly that I actually handled the pandemic very well for somebody who like normally would have been like a wreck during something like that. Like for me, like I'm like a go, go, go person. And I still was busy during the pandemic. I was working for my dad. I I was building my podcast. Like I had plenty to keep me busy, but I still was able to like kind of take time for myself. And I think between that and like, I also, you know, I did therapy during the pandemic. I've, I mean, I've done therapy multiple times in my life, but I, I thought it just like helped me so much. And I feel like it kept me, it kept me from like, basically going in like a, in a downward place. Yeah, it keeps you, you know, there's someone there to check on you right? It's really easy for friends and family to check in on us, but they also have their own things going on. And during the pandemic, sometimes it made it really hard for friends and family to reach out because of what was going on inside of them or externally around them. So therapy allows whether you go once a week, biweekly, once a month, it allows you that one hour to really check in on yourself and provide coping skills. And yeah, really, I use it as self care, I say to mm-hmm. my clients that I, I think therapy is the ultimate form of self care. And it's pretty much the only hour where you will dedicate where it is entirely talking about yourself, which can be yep. both amazing for some people and really uncomfortable for others. Yeah, I feel like It's nice to have somebody who has like an unbiased opinion, but I also feel like when I go, it's like having someone who is on my side when I feel like, if I feel like everybody and everything else is against me, but I have like one person who's like, here's what I'm saying, understands and like wants to help like make the situation better. Yeah a big a vital part of your support team yep that yep that's the best way the best way to to state it so how did you decide on a career in therapy like were you uh, was that part of your like sort of your career prior to um prior to the pandemic or you like kind of changed gears Prior to the pandemic, I was in my graduate program for counseling part-time, so I was kind of crawling towards my career. Um, I'd say that I really decided on a career in therapy when I was working at Planned Parenthood, um, and I was a healthcare assistant at a clinic here in Metro Detroit, and I just found myself, you know, based off credentials and how much you really can talk and how much time you have allotted even in the rooms at the time, wanting to talk more about feelings, emotions, thoughts, provide coping skills for some people who were coming in and were experiencing either personal or relationship issues or trauma even. That led me to find the amazing program that I did and provided me with a great education I, so yeah, I think, you know, I, if I attribute my career path to my mom, she told me I always should be a therapist. It just took me, I think, a little bit to get there on my own. Well, I, I will also say this, um, when I, you know, when I met you and when we were talking at Alex's wedding, I feel like in the first couple minutes that, like I spoke to you like I I had told you that I went to therapy and I'm like no normally maybe I wouldn't have I felt comfortable enough to tell you that so quickly which says a lot about you as a person that's such a huge compliment thank you so much (laughs) Um, yeah I I don't know I think I connect with people's energies And I'm able to read them really well. I know some people believe in that and don't. Um, And I think that also provides me a leg up with being able to connect with people and make them feel like it's a safe. And I always call it, you know, people call it a safe space. I say a safe and brave space because you're talking about things that are uncomfortable and can be awkward and messy and it's really brave and courageous to do that. So it's really nice and a compliment that you said I have such a (laughs) you know welcoming energy to me that you felt comfortable sharing something that could be so personal as sharing that you attended therapy. Yeah. I mean, do you think that the number of people who are seeing a therapist has probably like risen during the pandemic. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think one when the pandemic started, there was a flood of therapists, and even now, it's kinda hard to find a therapist with an opening um therapists are super, super busy. Um, and also experiencing some burnout because of that rush of people realizing they needed someone to talk to. They no longer were getting social interaction. They were quarantined. They were maybe experiencing depression, anxiety, whatever it may be for the first time. And um, I think the stigma also, I know we talked about that, I believe at Alex's wedding, the stigma with mental health and going to therapy it was starting to get talked about more with the pandemic so it was no longer don't talk about your feelings and kind of brush this you know under the rug be tough about this be strong it was go seek help it's okay to go talk to someone what we're going through is so abnormal no one could have predicted this our bodies couldn't have predicted this no one was ready for this our minds were not ready for this So, yeah, I definitely think there has been a rise in the number of people seeking therapy. And I think it's wonderful. And I hope there continues to be accessible to everyone. And yeah, everyone keeps getting the help that they need. I think also, like, I think part of like the stigma with therapy too, is that you go when something is wrong, which is really not that's not like the technically like the reason that someone should go to therapy, they should like, I don't ever go because something is necessarily wrong. Sometimes I just like, like to have an outside person that I can like talk to about about the things going on in my life, um, and have an unbiased opinion. I mean, I I'll be honest, the times in my life that I have gone to therapy were more because like I had some sort of like experience that was stressing me out, but I feel this time around having gone from like November, 2020, like through now, I didn't go because anything was wrong. I just went because I felt like I wanted to make like certain changes in my life. And I needed, I needed that like step forward to do that. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head, right? With talking about many people going when it's wrong. And I think one of the things we'll get into is going to therapy as a couple prior to getting married, And Mm kind of, you know, the connotation that comes with that and why it's beneficial. And even on the individual level, going to learn those coping mechanisms so that if slash when something is to happen, you already have those skills and the ability to deal with the tough emotions or deal with the really stressful situation. Yeah, I so. As somebody who works in the wedding industry, I've seen that like many more engagements have happened during the pandemic and 2022 is set to be the biggest wedding year since 1984. And I wanted to know what you thought. If you think that's in part to like people really getting a chance to like, Slow down and like spend more time with each other. I'm sure you could argue, and I don't have to tell you this, that some of it is still being right pushed from cancellations and rescheduling. Yeah, and it's interesting because both of us met our partners like during lockdown, yeah, and during the pandemic. And you know, my partner and I live together, and he is a wonderful boyfriend, and then you are married. So (laughs) there's, there's that, you know, chance to slow down and connect to each other. But I think it also allowed couples to get to know each other on a deeper and more intimate level, because there was no external factors, really. So I always say with my boyfriend, you know, our first date was like FaceTime, we really got to know each other on a more like a deeper connection whereas if we went and did an activity we might have not talked about the same thing so it did allow for some relationships specifically mine to move I think quicker than if the world had been more open um yeah but I do think there is that flip side too where it did allow people the chance to really get to know each other and slow down in their relationship too if they felt that there was external pressures, right? We always, we know there's the parents who want the grandbabies and, oh, you've been together for X amount of years. Why haven't you proposed yet? So (laughs) it did create that a slower momentum for couples that maybe needed that. Yeah. I also, I mean, I'll say in my situation, um, I had been single for like quite some time, like, uh, I, a pretty long time. I just didn't feel like there was anybody for a long time that was, um, the right fit. And I didn't really want like any official titles on things that I didn't feel going long-term. And when I met Ira, like my now husband, I, you know, we like went on our first date and then, you know, it led to a second date and a third date and a fourth. And it was like by that fourth date, like I knew how much I cared about him. And I think because I was in this like slower period of like my life of just like, you know, things weren't open till late at, at night at that point, And things like you had to be like really creative with the dates that you did Um and, yeah, I feel like I got to know him so, so, like, deeply and so well, like, early on, where, like, I never thought I would be, like, getting engaged at, as quickly as they did or, or married. Like, I I basically dated, got engaged, and married Ira within one year of meeting him. And I, I realize that's not, like, a typical story, but yeah, I think the pandemic just, it, it brought us like very close together. I think it also put individual priorities and values in check. So on the individual level, right, because a couple's two individuals or partnership, it allowed you to really, like you said, you're, you were super busy, we're about to have a huge wedding season. And your life kind of it shut down and it slowed down and I'm sure that allowed you to think about your priorities and you know well what do I do now that I have all this time right yeah which I'll say for me was like really weird because I was so used to being so busy and like when you work in the event industry you don't have like this typical nine to five job, you know, you have a lot of nights that you work and a lot of weekends. And like, here I was for the first time, like, I was always off on Sundays. And I was around on Saturday night. And it was like, it it was it was a big change of pace. It really was. Yeah. And your body, I keep saying this, you know, our, our bodies and our minds had to adapt to it. Right. Not just, you know, accepting what's going on. If you're constantly go, go, go. And then all of a sudden, you're sitting around a lot more, you get lethargic and unmotivated. And, you know, there might be emotions or feelings or thoughts that you've never really had before, because you've never had that much time to sit around before. Yeah, no, that's that is definitely true. I feel like I I've always kind of liked my like alone time and it's also because I didn't have much of it before and I had definitely much more of it uh, for, I'd say the first year of the pandemic, but I like kind I enjoyed it. I don't know. I like enjoyed every day going out on a long walk and listening to my podcast and just kind of like, just having that time, like to, unwind by myself. It's a really fascinating thing to listen to everyone's experience. There's (laughs) not a single one that is identical. You know, some people thrived in the beginning, and then as it went on, it was not their thing anymore. Um, Some people, it just was (laughs) really not their thing at all. They're super social people and they did not thrive. And then there's people who took the opportunity, you know, to go on long walks and enjoy the time and enjoy a schedule that wasn't so crazy and really allow yourself to connect with someone new. Yep. Uh, Listen, I definitely am the type of person that could have went crazy. I don't, I actually don't know how I didn't, thinking about thinking back but I I don't know I think it was also everybody else was in the same boat as me where if only I was in that like arena maybe I would have been different but I feel like everybody was also challenged with the same thing so yeah it was it was the norm for everyone it was a universal experience so even if your specific lockdown was different than someone else's everyone was locked down. No restaurants were open. So it's not like some people were going out to eat and others weren't. Right. Exactly. Everybody was home. Yes. (laughs) Now I, I'm a big believer in therapy, especially solo. So like I've gone to therapy on and off for about 10 years. I just found it helpful to discuss, like, any hardships or stress with an unbiased party. And I found it helpful in my life and my marriage to have gone to therapy prior to ever meeting my husband. Like, do you think it's important to do therapy solo before marriage? Like, not even necessarily. So not, like, technically, like, with a partner. And we'll get to that, too. But, like, to do it on your own? I think there's definitely benefits to doing therapy on the individual level because it allows you to work on specific issues that are going on with just you. And I think you're able to apply what you learn or the, you know, processing to your relationship and to future situations. So while it might not be a, con- a conflict that arises right in your relationship where you would necessarily go to couples counseling to focus on one thing or to build preventive skills together, build communication, the benefit of going on your own is you're doing that on your own, right? So you're mm-hmm. able to contribute to the partnership that comes with a relationship on your end and work on things on your own, because I think it's important to also remember that part of being in a partnership is having your own thing as well. Yeah. I think, I think a big thing too, is that you need to have like your own life outside of your partner. And, you know, sometimes you want to vent about things that like, you want to vent without like, having to necessarily vent to your partner about it. Absolutely. Partner might not understand. It might mm-hmm. be a situation, right, where you know your partner comes from a good place but maybe gives you advice that doesn't sit well, right? <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. a lot of situations where taking your therapy session and using it as a venting rather than your partner has seen benefits in the relationship yeah I feel like sometimes um like for couples counseling and this is just more you know what you see on tv or you see in movies that it's like one person is like invested in in trying and another partner like maybe like disgruntled at the thought Like, what advice would you have for a couple that are not on the same page about going? So the first thing I would say if you're in this situation is to ask your partner why they don't want to go to therapy. Because there's a lot and we've talked about them a little bit, but there's a lot of reasons why someone might not want to go to therapy that could lead to a bigger discussion. So it could be that therapy is just a new experience for them. And All they've seen is what's on TV and what they saw on TV did not really seem like something that could benefit them. Um, They might've had a bad experience with therapy in the past. It's a really common one. If you've had a session with a therapist and it didn't go well, you didn't mesh, um, you, you felt shame, whatever it may be could deter you from going back. Cause therapy is such a personal experience that you know, the second you put yourself out there and it's not what you expect, you build those walls again. Or it could just be that they were taught, like, you know, we talked about the stigma that therapy were for people who are weak. You don't talk about your feelings. You're supposed to just push them down and keep going and just keep working and be satisfied with what's going on. So I think that's really where you start. As far as coming in, it's really important, especially from, you know the therapist counselor role that there's a goal set in place. And I'm sure you've done that in therapy where you set a goal for what you want to do with the therapeutic process. So through that, you know, the couple that comes in that is on the same page as to their goal for therapy tends to do a little bit better. And the process goes smoother, I would say, Um, but yeah, I think definitely starting and figuring out why and being a supportive partner, because that could just lead to a bigger conversation and maybe you destigmatize mental health for them. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, growing up, like I never went and saw a therapist until I was like in college and I don't know what made me even go in college. Um, but I, I went like a few times and I just found like that it made me feel better after I left. And I, I think a lot of people think that sharing your feelings is, is weak, you know, kind of like, you know, what you had stated before. But I always had the uh, like the feeling that if you are so in tune with yourself and your needs and what drives you and what doesn't you're more powerful than anyone else and so well said it's it's really and mind you like I I feel that I have been kind of very in tune with myself my entire life but it also as you get older it takes work It It does does. because it's no longer, right? As a kid, there's less to worry about. So you're becoming, or I mean, as a teenager, there's plenty to worry about, but as a teenager, you're kind of still only worried about yourself. Like you always think people are talking about you, right? Everyone's looking (laughs) at you when you walk in the door. No one's looking at you when you walk in the door. And then you, as an adult, you add different life stressors. So it just becomes, like you said, harder and more complicated as an adult and going to therapy, going back to, you know, the benefits of doing individual therapy is that it prepares you to deal with those life stressors and puts in that hour, whenever it that may be, where you get to discuss those life stressors. And if it's new and something you haven't experienced before, and maybe you're having a different reaction or response to the situation than you have before, you have someone in your court that can help you through it and you can work together to accomplish whatever you need to to get through that situation. Right. And you know, obviously, you know, uh on my podcast and stuff, you know, we discuss everything to do with weddings, but when you're planning a wedding, um it tends to bring out a lot of stress. And it means that you have to have good communication with your partner um because when when you're bringing together two different families, there's always bound to be some stress now, of course, you have the one off who you know a one off situation where both families are are they're like best friends, and everybody gets along and there's no jealousy or resentment or or anything but that's like the rarity and not the norm so what would I think in regards to like therapy before you know before marriage like what do like what is your take on that and like what do you think are the things that people need to discuss and have in place prior to getting married yeah. I mean, you hear the term like bridezilla and things like that. And I don't think that comes necessarily from the person themselves. I think it comes from all the stress that comes with planning a wedding and probably more than an individual could even imagine unless they are in the industry, right? I mean, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll give my sister a little shout out here. She actually just got engaged at the end of January. So they're mm-hmm. in the early stages of planning their wedding. And it already seems very stressful to me. So I could not imagine having to plan a wedding in the stress. I think when it comes to counseling, right, it's all about teaching and learning conflict. Well, specifically couples counseling, premarital counseling, it's teaching conflict resolution constructively, So it's allowing a space for the two of you to really talk about, or multiple if you're in a non-monogamous relationship, but to talk about and discuss important aspects of the relationship before they become an issue. So how will we handle conflict? You know, I often find myself, partner A could find themselves getting really heated during an argument and when they get heated they might say things they don't mean so perhaps it's figuring out a code word right when you get to be that where it's I'm gonna say I don't know something really silly like scrunchy, and then I'm gonna walk away and take some time to myself so it's figuring out before that conflict gets to a place where people are really eating at each other because you're adding life structures you're adding like you said family opinions right? It's not just the two of you planning a wedding. It's a yeah. whole bunch of people that want to chime in and give opinions. Um, yep. And then it also allows for communication skills. So to build on that, you know, if you see me and I am on my computer and I am working, the best time that, that might not be the best time to talk to me, I don't know, about the seating arrangement. Right. So learning how to communicate properly, where that also is not going to lead to a conflict. And just, you know, learning you're not mind readers. I think that's the biggest thing. We have these like expectations of people. And, you know, if, and, and I'll share, I'm guilty of it. If I sigh a certain way and like, my boyfriend doesn't pick up that that means like I'm annoyed about something that annoys me even more. So (laughs) learning too, that the other one is not a mind reader. So when you're experiencing those moments of stress or you need a break from family members, how to best communicate that where your partner is really going to understand and not get lost in translation. Yeah. I mean, I, I think i I truly think that going and you know doing some sessions together before you're like before you get married is it it it's never a bad idea I mean I'll use my own situation just you know to shed light on it is I had been going to therapy for for, for a bit before I met Ira and then even throughout while Ira and I were dating. And then when we got engaged, my therapist was like, listen, you know, um, I think that like, I should like, that we should do a session all together. Cause like, I should meet Ira, like you're engaged now, like this is a huge part of your life. Like, and truth be told, like we, so we, we did go a few times and like, it was really, it was like really good for us. Like I f- left there always feeling pretty good. So I I think, I mean, and I get that, like it might be like hard for people to make that decision like right away or anything. But I think when you, I think it can only make you stronger because communication is, is truly just key in yeah. any relationship, a friendship, a romantic relationship, You know, so I I think communication is everything. Absolutely. And, you know, your role, kind of like your therapist said, your relationship changes. So even if you've been together for, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years, the expectations as boyfriend, girlfriend versus two people who live together versus two people who are engaged versus husband and wife or two people who are married it's your relationship changes and you have like a new shared meaning. So you have to also figure out, you know, what are your expectations of your partner as you're entering that new stage together? And that can be messy and hard to talk about and navigate and who knows where to even begin. So having (laughs) that person there that can navigate that conversation altogether is also really important And I'm really hoping, you know, as people are talking about mental health more and getting used to going to therapy, that there's going to be a push also for couples counseling. And it can help people during their marriage when it comes to conflict. Perhaps we'll see a change in divorce rates if people who are going to couples counseling prior to getting married and that was more normalized. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think that it's, I think where we saw a lot of like marriages and, and engagements throughout the pandemic, we also did see, um, we did see a bunch of people divorced and, you know, it does make me think like, I wonder if, you know, had, oh, had like maybe more, cu- like more couples counseling gone on. Maybe that would have changed things. But I, I think the pandemic just threw a wrench in for a lot of people, just not knowing, you know, what was next. Absolutely, and you add being with your let's say spouse you've been with, with 25 years, but from Monday to Friday, from nine to five, you're in different locations. Now you're on top of each other. It adds a whole, I mean, you're adding so many different stressors and external factors to your relationship that you never would have had to even think about experiencing. Right. Yep. Uh, it, 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 it's been a crazy time. I mean, now I think we're finally you know, in a better place with everything with the pandemic, but it, it took a long time to get here. It did. It did. I, I feel very fortunate that, you know, I, that <laughs> the sun is coming out and we're getting to a place where we can gather more outside. And I think I read that we're moving it towards an endemic. So that is also great to hear. Um, But with that, I'll share, you know, comes a whole new set of worries and anxieties and a whole new way of figuring out how to live now that the world is more open. How to like acclimate to for the pandemic. Absolutely. So let's talk about something so fun, so taboo. Um, Let's talk about sex. Love it. Let's do it. Like, okay, we know that you are, like, a sex and relationship therapist. Like, how did, like, how did you get into, like, the, like, the sex world? Like, how did you know, like, not only do I want to be a therapist, but I want to be, like, a sex therapist? Such a good question. And I always, you know, you're obviously not the first person to ask me that because it is such a a taboo and interesting um, situation or career choice. (laughs) I, I, for as long as I can remember, have never really been shy about my sexuality. I also felt a strong pull to be an advocate and ally to the LGBTQIA plus community. And because of that pull, I guess I just never understood why people couldn't just be accepted, um, why it mattered who you loved, why it mattered what gender you were, why what was going on in someone's personal life affected people who didn't even live in the same state as them. And that led me in my undergrad to take quite a few classes about sex, sexuality, um, biology of sex, just a variety of different things. And even when I thought I wanted to go more into kind of the medical, professional, profession, career choice path, um, I always was interested in like the woman's health, um, urology, things like that, that involved sexual health and sexuality. And I remember sitting down in my very first intro class in my counseling and we went around and we said, you know, who we are, whatever, and what we wanted to go into. And I said, I want to be a sex therapist. And I actually was chatting with someone who was in my intro class a couple of weeks ago um, over Instagram. And she was like, look at that. That was in fall 2018. I put it out there. Um, And I just kind of made it happen. I found my clinical sexology program. I'm a doctorate student through Modern Sex Therapy Institutes. And I've been very grateful for the experience. Um, I think it goes hand in hand with the idea that even mental health has a stigma. It's something that needs to be talked about, something we all have. We all have a sexuality Um, you know, and I think it's just, it needs to be talked about more. It needs to be more, it needs to be normalized. And I really, I'll say when I tell my clients, you know, and I also, you know, talk about sex and relationships, their eyes light up because it's not something they're used to talking about. And often it's something they avoid. And so I think even our conversations that we have um, are just more open, even if they're not focused on specifically sex, because of the fact that it's something that is more taboo. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember I told you this back in when I saw you in December, that because when you told me that you were a sex therapist, I was like, Oh, my God, that is so funny in such a small world because I had actually, like, my therapist is a sex therapist. That's not really, like, any main reason that I go to her. But when I first started seeing her, which was before I even met my husband, I I had been single for, like, a long time, and I felt like it was really hard for me to, like, almost like almost like break down a wall that I had in regards to like I wanted it to be like I didn't like I just wanted the next person that I had sex with like to be who I end up with like it was a big it was like a big thing for me and I feel like my therapist like got me over that hump of like like because I'd been kind of seeing somebody like before um before my husband and she was like just like have fun like just you know have fun don't like be as concerned about like will this be it will this not be it will and and I feel like she really got me like out of my comfort zone so sorry I don't know how I lost you but um that's okay (laughs) but Carly is back with this everyone um but yeah I think Basically, you know, just where I was going with that story is that um, being able to like feel open about like talking about sex, whether you're nervous about it, whether you're like excited about it, but whether you like, you know, anything, I just think like now, like in today's times, like there are so many resources and like you should feel like comfortable because it is a really, it, sex is a really big deal. I I that's how I look at it, and like you should feel comfortable about it. I'm hoping you know I through my Instagram page to talk more about sex and make it something that's more comfortable for people to talk about. Because you're absolutely right. There's a ton of resources out there, and sometimes that itself can seem overwhelming. So you know, get to a place, help people really get to a place at the very least, they'll feel comfortable bringing it up to their therapist, to their partner, right? So when we do sex therapy in the couple's um, setting, there's a lot of things that we talk about, but it's really to bring clients into that safe and brave place I was talking about to address sensitive topics. And yeah, I just, I hope that... as it becomes more prevalent and people are talking more about sexuality and gender identity, it's going to become more normalized to talk about at the doctor or more normalized to talk about with your therapist, your partner um, and your friends. And of course, in an appropriate setting. Right. Right. I think so. So like, what can you tell us about like, what can you tell us about sex therapy? What should somebody expect if they were going to like a therapist to, to just discuss things like that? Yeah. You know, you might come in and expect open dialogue about sex and how to learn how to communicate about sex. Uh, a lot of topics that can be addressed. You know, we talked about gender, sexuality, relationship issues, Um, sex and relationship we know are connected, eroticism, desire, passion, um, the thought of exploring. Um, And a lot of people come in or some people come in rather to see sex therapists because there's a decline in their sexual activity and they're noticing that it's affecting their relationship. Um, they might feel shame about their desires, um, having issues communicating that you know maybe, and someone might be interested in exploring a new kink, and that's something they've never been able to express before. And now they've been with their partner for ten years. How do you express to your partner? You know, this is this is something I'd really like to explore. When you felt shame about this your whole life. Um, So it really just, it's creating a space for you to talk about all things sex, sexuality, and really, it's just an, it's an open dialogue, I think is the most important, that you might not come in with a specific goal in mind, um, but it's A conversation that we would have together with your partner if you come in specifically for couples therapy to figure out you know why are you sitting here yeah now like okay so here's the big thing too I feel like a lot of so a lot of like the listeners to the podcast are not like you know just brides or just grooms we have like i'd say a pretty big single audience people who are single who want you know want to find the right one want to get married all of those things what um like i think it's so important to be like still so comfortable like on your own prior to getting into a relationship And I feel like, you know, even sex therapy, therapy in general is like good, even single. And like, what, what advice do you have for, like, our single listeners out there who are, you know, just, they're, you know, waiting for the right person, but haven't found them yet. Yeah, it sounds really cliche. To say and I am not a fan of speaking in cliches but don't settle and you're not being too picky there's a lot of people out there and the world is starting to open back up so for so long we were only able to really online date and navigating online dating is not easy in the slightest so you know there's someone out there that is going to meet your needs who you will be able to sit down and compromise together on things, who's going to meet your shared meaning in life, right? That's a really big, important one. Um, I think it's really easy, especially because for so long, society was telling us that we should be getting married before we're 30. Now us millennials are like, hey, we want to focus on ourselves and our careers and really like getting things solid before I go and do this whole marriage and children thing so it's happening later and I think society created that oh well it's going to be too late or oh I'm 30 and I'm single well I'm never going to meet someone thought process so you know definitely there is someone out there that is going to match what you need and Stick with it. I'm going to be honest. Therapy really, really helps in this situation because it's not easy, especially with social media, to not compare yourselves to others. Um, and when you're feeling alone and you're single and you're just, you know, feeling that urge, like it's time for you to meet someone. easiest way to get lost is on our phones or to watch a sappy TV show that romanticizes something so also I the advice I would give is find something that you can do for yourself um you know a hobby a new skill I mean I personally love being in school which I know is very unusual so I like to learn um but there's definitely something that you can find to do to fill your time where you're going to fill that space that yeah in your life you you truly I mean the advice I I have on this is that you truly have to feel whole within yourself before you'll before like being with somebody else and um I know for me like therapy is like helped me so much in that way because I am like I'm like a goer, I'm a doer. I don't really know how to like slow down and I feel sometimes like I almost feel like I'm not doing enough. Like I and that could be like debilitating. But I think being able to like have hobbies that are solo hobbies is so important because when the right person comes along, like you're like your life was already full regardless. And this is just like someone in your life who like just adds so much value, opposed to opposed to like making you feel whole. I, yeah, I'm, trying I to, actually... I'm trying to word that correctly, but <laughs> yeah, I, there's, um, I guess it would be a, a metaphor, an analogy, one of the two. Um, so I just said, I like to learn and that really showed that, but (laughs) that, um, you want to make your own sparkle shine. So someone once said to me, you want someone that's going to, you know, you don't want someone that's going to dull your sparkle. You want someone that's going to make it shine. And I actually said, you don't want someone that's going to dull your sparkle, but you want to make your sparkle shine and you want them to make it shine just a little bit brighter. That's a hundred percent true. Mm-hmm. You should I, be your own sparkle and shininess, and someone else should just come in to be that like little extra, you know, the cleaner you use on your diamond. <laughs> and, you know, for for all of our our single listeners out here, because they know we're talking a lot about therapy and couples therapy and sex therapy, like it's when you feel good about yourself and where your life is going and what you're up to and you feel busy and like that is truly when the right person will walk into your life like I I I always thought to myself like you know where is he when is he getting here I can't believe this like I feel like everybody is moving on and I'm like the only one that's not like really that's kind of like how I thought about things and when I finally like gave up like the search of looking for someone um and decided to just like I always like did my own thing I always made myself busy with stuff but like when I finally in a way took a step back and like decided to have a little bit more me time opposed to work time and like figure out like certain other things in my life that I want other than just like my career, that's when I became happier. And that's when I ended up meeting my now husband. Yeah, you were fulfilling your own life. You were finding ways to feel satisfied and gratitude in what you were already doing and someone outside of that didn't matter at the point. He just, you know, Ira added to it. Yeah, he did. He definitely did. Well, um, Carly, first of all, I want to thank you for coming on because it's been so fun to be able to record with you. Yes, thank you so much. This was much easier than I thought it was gonna be (laughs) I am I'll share a overthinker to the max so it was really fun talking to you (laughs) the hour flew by I know right well first I want you to tell everybody where they can like follow you and get in touch with you about maybe you know like therapy with you or even just just you know kind of picking your brain where should everybody follow you Yeah. So um, I am located in Michigan. So state licensure says I can only see clients in Michigan. So if you are someone that is seeking sex and relationship therapy or even therapy that doesn't necessarily have to focus on sex, it just means I have that background as well. Um, You can find me on psychology today. For everyone else, my Instagram is at Carly, And I actually just started a couple weeks ago revamping it to include talking about uncomfortable things. So we'll do a lot of communicating about how to communicate. Um, we'll do a lot of conversation about sex and relationships and make everyone more comfortable with the uncomfortable. Well, I love that because you know what? Like, that is what the world needs. And we just need open communication. That's exactly. That's what it is. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode of the Bride Tender podcast, where we put out a new episode every single Monday. If you're not already following me on Instagram, please go follow me at the bride tender for all fun facts on the wedding industry ways to save money on your special day. And of course, hiring the best in the business. Um, make sure to go follow Carly at comfy with Carly, where we're going to make the uncomfortable comfortable. Um, until next week. Mix yourself a cocktail, slide into my DMs with questions you want answered on all things weddings. Stay sane, stay healthy, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye, everyone.